uh, you know, I'm just over here having a chill Tuesday, drinking some coffee. It's very somber over here in Glendale. Bay is working all week. It's just so it's just me and the uh, and the pooches. Look, I'm going through it myself over here. I don't know if you heard about what happened. Well, a lot of stuff happened since we last spoke, so it could be any number of things, Chris. Uh, hopefully, hopefully the Olympics haven't got to you. I don't know what it could be. You know, I just don't trust myself as much as I used to, and I, I don't know if it's you know my age, um, but I'm just I'm getting a little more nervous when I when I podcast. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's your age because you should be getting less nervous the more you podcast. Just broad strokes, first glance. No, no. I mean, you're right. You're right. Last episode, I wanted to do it for myself. This episode, uh, I, I need to do it for myself, and and I, you know, I can't do it for other people. Um, it just it just hurts my heart so badly when I when I podcast for other people. Do you ever get that feeling? I, I don't know if I've ever podcasted for other people. Usually, whenever I podcast, it's always quite selfish, and I'm and I'm just really me. pretty much just trying to look funnier, better, and smarter than everyone else involved in whatever podcast I'm taking part Good. in. Not yeah. this one, of course, but after my performance on the last podcast, you know, I kind of, you know, I, I stepped out of bounds a few times. I had some deductions, and mm-hmm. I, I was ready to bow out. Um, but you have talked me back onto the, the, the uneven bars, Jason. So I want to thank you for that. Okay. So you have to learn that not every podcast is going to be gold, Chris. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a team sport. And if, you know, if we're, if we're getting a bronze, you know, you can still bite into that for the Mm -hmm. sports illustrated picture. (laughs) I just think of us as a gold medal podcast. We are a gold medal podcast. Don't worry. No. Okay. But uh, you know, even Phelps is going to have a bad day. You know what I'm saying? He- yeah, yeah. When Phelps crashed the Jeep, Jeep Wrangler into a wall when he was gone Phelps off the had, perkies, maybe he, did he have had a bad more day. than one bad day. <laughs> I mean, Phelps had a bad couple years. Okay. Well, bro. he had I mean, he had Phelps some bad beat. times, sure, but he he never really had too much of a bad day in the in the pool, though. No, he didn't. But I've been glued to the Olympics, which I know may surprise you, but but I've been I'm in Atlanta at the time. Nobody even knows how to watch the Olympics anymore. You have to literally be watching it in your parents' house on their basic cable plan. Is that what you're doing, Chris? That is exactly what I'm doing. But so we were we were looking into Michael Phelps who's who's now a um he's like a, a commentator, but he has he's got three kids. Did you know that? I did not know that. I mean I don't really know anything about Michael Phelps at all except good swimmer then became kind of like a spokesperson for marijuana use and he, since he's white and a guy, he seemed to have not and no problems with that. He was no never disqualified or anything like that. Yeah, I just want to quickly go over his kids' names because they were pretty surprising to oh me. Okay. Um, okay. This this actually it, it sounds like it sounds like three distinct uh, black rifle coffee flavors: <laughs> Boomer, Boomer, Maverick, and Beckett. And and, and the, <laughs> the weirdest parts: all girls. Yeah, the the wildest thing is, yeah. So I, I've been I've been watching Olympics pretty pretty seriously. I don't know if you've been tuning into the games, but Fuck no. um, I watched these divers, bro. Oh my god, these male divers, fam. These guys got abs. They look they're looking fucking crazy. Yeah, man. of course. I like, mean, not like so ripped. When I was so talking about ripped. my Phelps rundown of what I know about him before, other than you know being swimmer having one of the sickest bodies of all time like you know for for being somebody yeah. who's not like a you know a, a weightlifter gym rat kind of guy just your natural swimming muscles like he looks good 
I mean, look, I've been watching the Olympics. I've been cramming. I'm, you know, I'm sad to see um, Simone Biles bow out because she lost, you know, and didn't want to lose more. Um, Okay, so because that just happened, you know, for listeners listening, you know, this is probably old news for them, but this this was just surfacing when we recorded this podcast. So I don't exactly know what happened. So she didn't win the gold medal, and she's now pulling herself out of the Olympics. Not that she didn't win the gold medal. She had a poor performance last night uh, in the team, the team competition, and then came out and said, basically, I just can't do it. it is kind of which, which I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of conversations around like athletes and mental health and and you know that mm-hmm. whole thing. Yeah. Um, which you know, sure. Yeah. Um, but in this case, the timing feels very interesting. Like, like Naomi Osaka said i don't want to talk to the press and then they were like well you have to and she's like nah fuck y'all which i kind of understand a little bit more yeah simone biles the greatest of all time no question she's already solidified as the greatest of all time mm-hmm. said i had a bad one and now i'm not feeling good about myself you know mm-hmm. which is like yeah that's what happens when you have a bad performance doing anything mm-hmm. like if i you know if i go to Barry's and i don't get three on the treadmill i don't get my money back <laughs> i have to i just that's that's just how the cookie crumbles okay. you know what i mean so so we're so the, uh, the the future generation of athletes might be rewriting mm-hmm. what it means to be a champion for our kind of our, our our boomer ears you know back in the day you know you never give up exactly well you know against all odds leave it all know, in the field like you, you if you're a you know if you're a basketball player you never you even if you're down by 20 you play until the last second exactly hustle if you're a baseball player and you do an easy pop-up you run it out every time that's just what they teach you it's part of being an, an athlete yeah. a champion you know sportsmanship and learning how to take an L, um, and I, you know, maybe she. I mean, she really, like you said before, she really is the greatest. So maybe greatest she's the like goat. I mean, no she's question. like, damn, this is the first time I've ever lost anything. Fuck this. And this is a hat that I just tried on, and I don't like how it feels. So fuck y'all. Maybe that. I mean, maybe it's just as simple as that. It could be, and that's. Uh, but I, I, I think that a true champion would just take the L. Like I'm going to keep competing and lose, and I've already got five gold medals. Fuck it, I'm still mm-hmm. the best. You know, I don't know. It's, it's okay. Well, interesting... maybe, maybe let's let me try to put this um put this gold medal around the neck of uh, of somebody that you might be able to wrap your head around more wrap your neck okay. around more okay so okay wh- how would you feel if let's say Haley bieber went to <laughs> one oak and they didn't let her in at the door and then the next day she went on instagram and said you know what fuck this i'm never going to the club again i'm over it the whole club system is trash. Would you congratulate her and say, yes, queen, the club system is trash. That is bad. It is, you know, being denied at the door is bad for your mental health. No, would I wouldn't, you, Jason. I would, would say, say, pick yourself up and try again. Here's what I would say. I would say, go back to Calabasas, yeah. put on your tightest bodycon dress, okay. and you get back out there and you fucking do this again until you get in. You pray to Jesus <laughs> and you bring your famous husband if you have to, but they're going to let you in. Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna stand for this shit, Jason. And I I think that thank you for making that mm-hmm. um a little easier for me to comprehend. Well, Google Translate for you. What brand body yeah. con dress does she need to reach for in order to get through those velvet ropes at One Oak? I mean, I'm not sure what kind of deals she's working with. I, I imagine she probably has a Calvin Klein contract. I'm sure there could be a, a Saint Laurent deal. 
Um, yeah, you know, you know whoever's not, paying her the I'm most. Not, I'm not wearing Calvin to the club. I need something a little nastier. We're not going full fashion Nova, but you know, I mean, and I know that Bodycon is not your particular branch of fashion. I'm not, you know, I'm not into, I'm not into sexy clothing, as you know. Um, <laughs> I, I truly, I, I, I mean, you don't have to answer it now. Come back to me. Maybe our listeners will, you know, our listeners DM Chris with the perfect. Just, <laughs> just let him know. Flood the inbox. Please don't. But I'm just I'm suffering from I'm just suffering from riches over I got too many riches today because we also have I, I don't want to you know li- just end beginning begin and end with sports because that's not what this podcast is about mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you were able to catch the uh, young thug NPR tiny desk concert where he is now in an alternative press style punk band that sucks yeah it's definitely a good example of uh, you know the music industry ruining. Everything all over again. I, I did watch a little bit of that. And, you know, it's it was not a Tiny Desk concert. It was in the backyard of a mansion somewhere in, like, Tallahassee or something. They still call it a Tiny Desk concert. Just I know. Understand. I know. So that part, I don't like that. It's not a Tiny Desk concert. You're already mad. You're already mad. There's nothing. Yeah. And the whole it's point of a Tiny NPR Desk concert, you know, it's like when a band gets asked to do MTV's Unplugged, and they're like, yeah, we're just, I'm going to bring my fucking electric guitar <laughs> My my sense. I'm gonna play a Telecaster, but it's gonna be low. It's gonna be low. Like I'm gonna turn it down in the in the in the Fender tube. You know what I mean? It's all it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. It, it was so bad, and <laughs> it was the, the thing that the thing that pisses. Me, I mean, the, there's two things that piss me off a lot about it. Is Thug has has been a brain dead rapper for a while now. Um, he hasn't. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time a Young Thug song came out where I was like, oh, this is sick. Um, obviously I've loved his, you know, many of his songs for many years, but it's been, it's been five plus since a good, but one. his rapping was very clear and, and like decently calculated. And like, that was probably his best rapping performance. I've heard him live in, you know, since I can remember. Mm-hmm. And it was a shame that that was wasted on mm-hmm. four studio musicians wearing pink crop top hoodies in the backyard of a mansion, <laughs> you know, just guys, you know, just like the most basic ass bros you've ever seen in your entire life who are, who are like excited to play, do like pop punk cosplay. And it just made me think of the young thug of, you know, Pikachu era where he was so unique. Ooh. He was so interesting. He was so creative. He so didn't care about everything. And he just, you know, bucked the system. He was whatever was happening in the norm. He was the opposite. Another rapper, another rapper linking up with Travis Barker and getting his career ruined. Well, I think that there's a possibility. He's, like he's he's doing it worse than Olivia Rodrigo. Like it's it's bad, bro. Olivia Rodrigo's doing it well. This shit trash. But I think that the he has an album coming out, and I just I want you to guess what the title is before we before we tease our guest. Man, I mean, is it involving sex or lean? Neither one. That's the problem. It's just simply titled "Punk" in all caps. God damn it! <laughs> I mean, that's the <laughs> so. Just so we know what to expect, at least he's not surprising us. He's he's letting us know exactly <laughs> off rip what's happening. But does that make it better or worse? I I, don't I guess know. it makes it better because when when Young Thug first came out, he really was like the definition of punk. And now that he's making his punk album that is called Punk, mm-hmm. he couldn't be further from that. Yeah, which, um, which I don't know if it, which, and I, like I said before, it's a testament to how terrible the music industry is. 
I don't know how much of that is his fault and how much of that is this beautiful, unique Great point. flower that has been compromised by a bunch of frat bro A and R's who are more concerned with, you know, college football than, you know, discovering cool and unique music. We need more women in the industry. I, I I saw a video of Willow Smith doing like a punk version of of whip my hair back and forth, where she dramatically shaved her head. I, saw that. I mean, this is fucking insane, dude. That is so lame. That like um, so yeah. deeply lame. That, that is so deeply lame. And you know, uh, everyone on her team was probably like, "Yes, this is going to be it. This is going to be sick." Yeah, and gassed her. This up. is her red table. <laughs> You know what? There were a lot of through lines, and, and I'll talk to our guest about this more because it's a, this thing that a lot of people have been watching. But um, yeah, well, it, it reminded me of the Woodstock 99 documentary that just came out um, over the weekend on HBO that a lot of people are talking about. But there's the scene, which I forgot, you know, so many things that I forgot from, from 99, but uh, where Wyclef <laughs> recreates the Jimi Hendrix playing yes, the Star Spangled yes, Banner so and torched. then lights his guitar <laughs> on fire. But and has a hard time lighting it on has fire. Has a very hard time lighting Yeah, like all the technology of 1969, Jimi Hendrix was able to light a guitar on fire. No problem. You squirt lighter fluid on it and you strike a match and then it goes up. And you light it. Wyclef, for, you know, he needed five different people. He could never light it. He smashed it, and it was just—it was just so not pathetic. It. And it, and the and the dark part is, you know, in their head, they think it's when it. they think of this idea, they're like, "This is going to be it. This is my fucking moment. <laughs> I'm going to change the game forever." And then everyone in their camp is like, "Yes, bro." Yes, bro. This is going to be so sick. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for this moment. It doesn't do. It didn't. And nobody in his camp work. is just like, well, maybe we need to just play Gone Till November, fam. Like that's what we want, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, look. All right, all right. We're gonna we need to talk about Jesse. Uh, <laughs> Jesse Pearson uh, was the editor in chief of Vice Magazine uh, from 2002 to 2010. He then started a, a great uh, magazine called Apology that is also a podcast now. Um, he's been involved in a bunch of the Vice TV projects, and he also worked at Index Magazine, which is my favorite magazine of all time oh, really? uh, in New York. But, but, but yeah, how he got his start in his career. Uh, so I can't wait to um, mm. dig into that with him, as well as his absolute love of the band Rusted Root uh, from from Woodstock '99. It's going to be great to get into that with him. Okay, let's let's give this rusted man a zoom. <laughs> How are you? You're coming in from from New York City, is that true? L.A. L.A. Oh shit! Damn, what's up, baby? Are you Hollywood now? I'm living in West Hollywood. No, I'm living in. I'm over. Uh, in, <laughs> I'm in a neighborhood that doesn't have a cool name, so I don't like saying it. Downtown? No, Her- Herman. I'm in Herman. Herman. What the fuck is Herman? <laughs> Herman. Yeah. I think that's. I think that's Jason's uncle from Virginia. Are you sure? <laughs> I, I think her is Herman on the way to Barstow. No, that's, that's, that that's, is- that's Norman. That's Norman. <laughs> Herman is Herman is Herman is this like it's like a sliver in between Highland Park and South Pass. Very interesting. Yeah. Little little isthmus. Okay. Not that I mean, Jason is a lifelong LA resident. I, I'm pretty familiar, and I, I live there part time. But I've never have Jason. Have you ever heard of Herman? Uh, I, I've never heard of Herman, but I just gave it a quick Google map. And is this over by Arroyo Seco Park? Exactly. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah. sometimes we Chris and I have played tennis over there a few times. Um, Tim, oh, yeah. Tim, that's Tim's spot. But uh, amazing neighborhood over there. Oh, okay. Amazing neighborhood. Whenever I go play Beautiful. tennis over there, and I'm driving through. Um, all those houses. The only, I mean, every, it's always hot as fuck. It's just for some reason, yeah, even though yeah, it feels yeah. more like forest 
foresty and wildernessy. It, it's it's like ten degrees hotter than it is. You know, yeah, it's like living. In, it's like living inside a cast iron skillet. And I just moved here like th- three weeks ago. I was up in Mount Washington, mm-hmm. in like you know the forested hills where it's nice and breezy. And then I came down here to the flats, <laughs> where it's basically I cook all day long. But it is a great neighborhood. It is great. Yeah, I like it. It's got its own sign. I love. I love this LA. This LA journey for you. I didn't know you were a, a, a classic New York to LA graduate. Um, I am like like myself. I've been here for six years. But even you know, Chris, before before here, I spent two years in Atlanta. Oh shit, baby! I didn't know. I'm actually I'm in Atlanta right now. Wow. Um. And it is hot as hell, uh, as you can imagine, yeah. and. I might just stay, though, because the mask is nowhere to be found. So there are the upsides to this. I'm actually going to a I'm going to a tennis. There's a tennis tournament tonight uh, or in town that I'm going to tonight. And I'm a little concerned for my well-being in this heat, even when the sun goes down. I would be, too. Yeah. I, but I've heard that the Delta variant doesn't really transmit in uh, extreme humidity. So I guess you'll be fine, probably. Oh, damn. So we're good. Yeah. Damn. Good to know. Thanks, Dr. Jesse. That makes me feel better because earlier in the week I was complaining about a guy who kept coughing in the sauna. So, I mean, <laughs> na- if so you could name a more human now. environment than that, I'll wait. <laughs> I challenge Saunas you. are safe. Why did you, why did you live here? Were you doing, were you working at like an adult swim situation? I was at adult swim adjacent. My wife at the time was working at adult swim. So we went down there from New York and um, I got to say, man, Atlanta didn't, didn't really treat me very well. It was kind of a hell ride. <laughs> Hell ride, yeah, bitch. A haunted hell ride. Go <laughs> yeah, on. You can't come. That's because you didn't. That's because you didn't tap in with me, bro. You gotta come mm-hmm. on, man. You tap in with the local. I, I was I was with locals. Well, transplants. I, my only friends there were the ATL twins. Let's just let's just. Okay, so let's just get it out yeah. there and say it. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I mean to to even say to, to even call them a friend is something quite special. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I like that you're using the singular as well. Well, they they travel in a pack. I didn't know. I mean, look, I I can understand that. I mean, I'm I'm born and raised here, and like I I don't really have that many friends left. If I if I'm being honest, and I come, I see my family, I go to a few restaurants, I try to check out a few new restaurants, then I leave. Yeah. Um. I I don't know if coming down here blind uh would be the move you know what i mean what were you into what were you doing at the time in your life well i was i was working on apology my magazine obviously that's and then then you know writing freelance journalism here and there other than that i hung out with the twins and i power lifted <laughs> what oh shit. damn you're the perfect you're the perfect how long gone guest where were you lifting right. in the atl uh it's called it was called a uh, unit unit two fitness right off ponce in midtown oh yeah i'm familiar with unit two and that's a is that a little nod to hollywood you know when you have two units running i wonder if it oh is. wow um, that's, that's <laughs> a pretty deep reference for those dudes if so i don't think so man yeah they're probably not where were your haunts though were you going anywhere were you hitting aurora for a coffee were you getting uh you know were you going to the varsity for a hamburger what kind of vibe were, <laughs> were, how were you living i was going to unit two and then i was going home okay all right well okay, fair so enough. so you were living a very action bronson style existence yeah yeah just... I, was a, I was a spartan no i mean <laughs> i was going to um jim right repeat was your mantra jim right edit repeat <laughs> got it yeah <laughs> real excited uh, no i mean look at Atlanta- no fucking pussies allowed no pussies <laughs> yeah not for me um no, I mean Atlanta was like you know in like in like Greek myth when the gods like curse a mortal and just throw a bunch of horrible shit at him. Sure, that's what it was. That's what it was for me. I mean, just I don't know why, but everything went wrong. Like I remember my 
my second week there, we were a, a pipe burst in our bedroom. So we woke up being sprayed with cold water in the middle of the night. <laughs> so while, while, while that was being fixed, I had to sleep on a couch in the, in, the, in the day room, like in the front. Coming from New York, where I was used to living like on the fifth floor, the fourth floor, I was always sleeping next to open windows. Yeah. It didn't occur to me, don't do that in Midtown Atlanta, right? Could you explain why not for our, our uninitiated listeners? Because miscreants wander. They wander the streets. We're talking about a breaking and entering? We're talking about, a, I woke up with a guy who looked, and I'm not, this is not hyperbole, looked exactly mm-hmm. like John Wayne Gacy halfway in my window. <laughs> Terrified. Shit, and man. I jumped up and I screamed and I, I literally hit, hit, swung at him with a pillow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a, a classic oh, powerlifters move. Right, exactly. I was going to show yeah. him how, how we do. And he chopped out of the window. You didn't live here long enough to buy a gun. I guess that's... I had actually, <laughs> no, I no. I actually had numerous guns, but they came a couple weeks later. <laughs> oh, I see. So it was just, it was new. Your Walmart order hadn't so, shipped yet. So the main reason why you had problems in Atlanta, Georgia, was shipping delays on the firearm. Right, right. Background checks. That was the problem. Okay. So not even the ATL twins could save you, is what you're saying. No, no. They don't have superpowers, believe it or not. <laughs> as much as we'd like to believe. You know Thomas Morton, right, Chris? I don't know. I do, I, I, I do know Thomas very well. Jason, um, Thomas is an old friend of uh, both of ours, but he's actually from here as well. Okay. Um, but he's like an OG. You remember him from Vice. He was like the nerdy white guy who they'd send into crazy situations. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ba- baby, balls. Um, <laughs> baby balls. Baby balls. <laughs> yeah, you, <may laughs> you may know yeah. him by his pseudonym. By, by his work his work name, Baby Balls. But yeah, um, <laughs> he, he his dad had passed like a year before. He came down to visit, and he was like, hey, I have something for you if you wanted. I have a toolbox full of guns that you that you can take because I don't know where to put them. My mom doesn't want them in the house. So I met up with him, and he gave me you know a, like a craftsman toolbox with, I think, four... Four firearms in it. Baby balls Shit. delivered. The, delivered. The, the, the you were strapped up, He came dog. through. Baby balls came through. You were strapped through. up. Okay, so were, were you a gun guy before this? A little bit. Yeah, a little okay. bit. I did a thing. Um, I got Vice to pay for... I, I used to get Vice to just pay for stuff I wanted to do, you know? Yeah, I've read that Vice does that. You know, sometimes. I don't know about I don't know about, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about currently. You, yeah, Jason remembers the gross jar, you know, pretty well, so I think that's what he's talking about. Did you witness the gross jar in person? No, never did. Never got a whiff. I unfortunately have. I've I've witnessed the gross yeah. jar in person. It's too far. I feel like Chris, you might have been it's there the far. night that we, the day that we opened it, and uh, Ty dyed some T-shirts <laughs> with the liquid that was inside. Oh <laughs> no, I did miss. I did miss that day. Thank God. But I, 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 I sorry, sorry to distract from the the weapons. But wait. Should we say what the gross jar was or just let people kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of our young, hip listeners might not know what that is. And that's a shame that they don't. That's like not knowing like who the Sex Pistols were or something. Like We got to educate these kids. I agree. A, a fine analogy. Um, the gross jar was a huge pickle jar, um, like an industrial-sized pickle jar <laughs> mm-hmm. that we would just put horrible things in. Um, it started with basic stuff like urine and shit and <laughs> bl- blood. <laughs> Uh-huh. Um, the best, I think the best thing was one day we came into the office and found a, a rat had like come up through the pipes into the toilet and drowned in there. Okay. That feels gross to me. Very much so. So we put, we put the whole, we put the entire rat in there. Um, mm-hmm. Th- Thomas once had to get his, give his cat like a radioactive medicine to like, 
I forget what it was, but basically he had radioactive cat shit. So we put that in there. Just things like that. <laughs> and, then, and then we would do a monthly report on it in the magazine and on the website. So anyway. Yeah, yeah every, month, every month you would pick up the Vice magazine and there would be like an, an update. Like here's what the gross jar looks like now. Right, you know, right. Here's how it has decomposed. Here's all the new bacterial growth, fungi and stuff like that. Back when, back when Vice did real journalism. Exactly. Honestly, honestly, I'd rather read that. I'd rather read that than another report on like, you know, war crimes. Yeah, me, you know what I mean? Well, it's, it, me too. Me too. I'm not a gross guy. I like don't like gross stuff actually, but I found that very funny. I found that really, really funny. It was just so stupid. <laughs> we made it we made it work somehow, yeah. But anyway, yeah, guns. Yeah, so I got advice to pay for me to go to this um this like survivalist training camp in the Nevada desert mm-hmm. to take like um like a like a like a four day handgun course that was like mm-hmm. one of the f- most fun weekends I've ever had. Um they had like a fa- <laughs> a fake a fake suburban house set up out there in in, in the desert in the town mm-hmm. of in the town of Pahrump, Nevada. Oh yeah, and um you you did a fake home like a home invasion scenario, Sick. right? With with lot with live ammo with like you know. So this like a, like a like a piece of wood with like one of those like target guys taped to it would pop up, right? Mm-hmm. And it's they had the one where it's the guy holding a gun to a woman's head. Have you ever seen that one? Classic hostage situation. Oh yeah, you know the one. Yeah. And she kind of looks like Elaine from Seinfeld, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> but it pops up, and the guy who's training me and walking There's me a story there. The guy, yeah, the guy who's walking me through it. When that one pops up, he goes, "Put the gun down, or I'm going to kill this bitch." So he's like, <laughs> kind of like giving me like a role playing aspect. He's narrating, to it as well. we're narrating what this cardboard cutout might have said. Right, and that meant that I was allowed to shoot that guy. So anyway, yeah, it was really, <laughs> it was really fun. Um, but I had a history of like you know just going to the gun range and everything before that too. Are you from Are you from New Jersey? I'm from like multiple Philadelphia suburbs in PA and New Jersey. We shit on Philadelphia a lot on this podcast. So I've you. I've heard I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> really? How have you heard that? I put on one random – I've listened to, like, a few when you guys – I mean, I've listened to a few before, but when you guys asked me to be on, I listened to a Thanks, few Justin. pointedly. You're welcome. <sighs> and there was a, wom- a, a woman was on who was in Philly, and you guys were ragging pretty hard. Um, it was only a few episodes back, I think. I can't remember her. Yeah, Chrissy, Chrissy Malazzo, right. a friend of yeah, the show. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, she also relocated there, like, kind of willy-nilly for a man. Right. You know, and it just seems like a crazy place to, to move. You my know? Deal, my um, deal with Philly is I, I love it, but I totally understand why people who aren't from there don't love it. And a smart man should feel that way about any city they live in. I think you're, I think you're right, yeah. Good, good point. Well, I'm glad that you're listening to the pod that is um, me too that makes me, me feel good yeah i'm enjoying it yeah it makes me feel good too we like to have you know successful intelligent listeners as well as dum-dums um we try to run the gamut <laughs> i'm not um, i'm not sure which so one you I decide which into. one you are yeah. yeah you decide which one that was kind of the game no, you're you're not uh, on the dum-dum scale don't worry jesse let's wait till the end of the conversation then you can decide <laughs> how much djing have you done that'll affect it a lot i've done a lot I've done a lot of djing uh, okay that's not gonna help you out then Hell yeah, yeah. unfortunately i had um i had a fucking residency at plaid on union square in the early 2000s oh shit oh. let's go baby yep yep we're gonna do 30 minutes we're gonna do 30 minutes on bar 13 apt <laughs> um i mean we could we could keep it we could keep it going you went to bar 13 on sunday night I'm that sorry. was like the mod night right yeah but it would be like the white stripes and jimmy fallon and the stroke yeah Coke. like that yeah, yeah. era I, like the real prime era i was there man I was there jason la was different bro you were what were you doing hanging out with hanging out with chad muska maybe <laughs> <laughs> what was there what was the restaurant that uh ashton kutcher owned you're probably there with chad muska 
Uh, I mean, which one? He had a pretty diverse portfolio. <laughs> he had a portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Geisha, Geisha House was the sushi. And then there was a Italian. There was definitely an Italian place. Um. Yeah, Geisha House. He was in there with um with my man, my with your boy Masterson, <laughs> with your dog. Right I remember I got the whole boat sent out when I was with Masterson one time. Masterson was yeah. Masterson was impressed by that. Oh, <laughs> uh, you were talking about Dolce. Dolce. No, it was the very first. There's one name that I really want to pick up on. It was the first one that they all owned, like the whole that '70s cast. It's not Geisha House. I do. Li- I do like that their Japanese restaurant. They managed to use like one of the most boring cultural stereotypes in the name, though. <laughs> I mean that was like that was Don't like during that. like okay. entourage level discourse. Like it was just you know you were lucky that you got Geisha House as a name. Like yeah, really it could have been worse. I've been to Dolce. Actually, had a location in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah, I yeah. moved to New York, I have dined at Dolce. They they expanded, but there was I think there Jesse's right. I think there were like three restaurants. Mm-hmm. I think there was like Geisha House, Dolce, and there was there was one other one that they were really. But Jason definitely has eaten at all of those places. I would say. Oh, uh, maybe ketchup. That's not. I'm sorry, I'm pulling you guys into the weeds on this. We can let it go. But there was one. It no, was these are weeds. These are weeds that Daddy likes. Just to let you know, this is where we live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe it was a nightclub. Maybe it was a nightclub. Yeah. Uh, wait, hide, hide. Uh, hide. Oh, hide. Come on, bro. That's an ultra lounge. That's an okay. ultra lounge with food. They have food there, right, Jason? There's small. There's there's small bites. Sure. Small plates. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but all of all of Ashton small, and <laughs> small plates. All all of Ashton and Wilmer's restaurants. They're more than just you know. They're they're club like settings. You know, you could yeah. You can seamlessly transition from a dining experience into a cooking experience. It's experiential. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They Let's serve you decks. ecstasy on a side plate with with a knife and fork. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> I liked when Ashton Kutcher showed. I liked when he showed up on um, Shark Tank as one of the sharks. What a tra- what a transformation to go from really the world's hottest dummy and to to think of him and just how much of a dumb like a doofus he was <laughs> and now he's like a he's like an entrepreneurial inspirational tech leader yeah he's like Mark Cuban in training man damn well I mean Ashton is uh, but I feel like also I feel like more so now than in our our younger days like actors are just happy to stop acting it's like cameron diaz yeah like cameron diaz makes wine now and she's married and has kids and is rich and she's like i'm good i don't need to do this like i've I found something yeah. else i made a lot of money not all actors really though hot. chris some people cannot give up the spotlight and that's why they're doing like they're you know hosting america's got talent and shit like that when they already have 400 million in the bank like but i mean it's it's more acceptable now i think to walk yeah, away yeah i think you're right and, and mm, then mm, mm. than it was at it that used time. to be a thing like like when like greta garbo stopped acting it was like it became the whole story about her it was like a huge big deal like where'd garbo go and now it's just kind of like i haven't seen cameron diaz in a while big deal you yeah you you just assume that they became an influencer or they just want to like raise their family and chill. And this is because everybody in America is supposed to be an entrepreneur now. That's right. Damn, that's an interesting that that is that is as I mean you know Jesse you've you've had jobs Jason and I have never really had jobs probably you know <laughs> in, in some way. Uh, and, you know he he ran Vice magazine you know that's there's a little bit of not real job energy that, going on there. No offense no offense of course. No no it wasn't work ever. <laughs> it was all it was it, when you love when you love what you do it's not work exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. my dad is a, is a, you know he's never had he's always owned his own accounting business so i think it was in in my blood a little bit maybe but i do think that the expectation now is you gotta 
rise and grind and get yours and yeah you 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 everybody can do that which is also like everybody shouldn't do this it kind of sucks half the time it does and i have a theory as to why this is if you want to i don't know if it's going to bore you but i can throw it out there real quick no we love theories does it involve chrissy does it involve chrissy teigen or no how did you know <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. I'm an entrepreneur myself. Well, it involves jo- We've yeah. been podcasting for a it's while. It's actually now. John Legend, but Chrissy Teigen is you know next to him, so a major player in the story. Yeah, please give us the theory. I'm interested. And I don't think this is an original theory, but I haven't like read it anywhere else, so maybe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think it's because of the death of industry and like and like industrial jobs. You know, um, what happened was because my, my family was all steel workers until me. Like I'm the only you know one who like kind of like decided I'm going to be an artist of some kind. Everybody else was like literally working in an open hearth furnace and like getting steel embedded embedded yeah. in their necks, you know. So you're you're the first liberal pansy of the family, is what you're saying. I'm I'm the first real tough guy of the family, is what I'm saying. <laughs> hey, tough guy, <laughs> Hollywood. Hey, Hollywood. <laughs> One of my fucking cousins calls me Hollywood Jesse now. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I love yeah. that Hollywood Jesse. You think you're better than me? Fuck out of here, Hollywood Jesse. Running a running the video department at Super Deluxe. <laughs> <laughs> big bad guy over at super deluxe yeah anyway i'll do it fast um and, and, <laughs> no, and, take your time industrial jobs shut down uh because of stuff like nafta everybody you know couldn't find work but then there was this thing that started then with the government saying but you should be you're you're a creative class you can be entrepreneurs you can do your own thing you can start your etsy account and knit macrame tapestries and make as much money as you would have at a, any other job doing that Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this bullshit that was sold to us, I think. You can be your own boss. Yeah, but it's not true. Like Chris, you were saying, I think not everybody can do it, especially if it's creative stuff. Like this whole idea that everybody can can be some kind of craftsperson is, is just wrong. Yeah, well, I mean, it's also – I tell people this all the time. It's, it's also about – I think the stomach for uh, income spikes and dips <laughs> is a very is something that you have to like build up to. And I think if you're 30 and you've had a, a nice job with insurance and benefits and the whole thing, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what? I think it's time to strike out on my own. Mm-hmm. And then you know, a year in, you lose a couple clients, and you're like, shit, what's going on? Yeah. Like, it's just that's really like not only are people just not good at stuff. You know what I mean? I, that's fine. I'm not good at stuff either, but I've made it work. Uh, I, I mainly think the trait is having the stomach for it, you know, and like, and, and being willing to, to think that there's always, you're always going to figure it out. I think you're right. I think you have to want to do the thing that you're doing enough that you're willing to be poor and then be rich and then be poor and then be poor and then be poor. You know, you got to be willing to take the ride. Luckily I'm rich now. And also, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the creative jobs, you know, (laughs) like working in media or something like that. It's often reserved for people, you know, who come from wealthy backgrounds who can afford to intern yeah, at a magazine yeah. or a fashion house. Something don't like that. come, don't come, don't do that. But, don't come for but, all but the what I, But my point is, leave the C level guys alone. Yeah, to, to really make it in that creative class world where you're able to operate without the safety net of you know a salary job and a boss and and healthcare and a four hundred one k. I think the people who don't come from that wealthy background and don't have that safety net who are just born into poverty and not having shit to begin with makes them a little bit more fearless, you know, to tackle that true definitely you know, that open definitely. open world. Yeah, I grew up I think you could say kind kind of poor pretty much. I, it seems like hyperbole to say it, but let's say lower middle class. Yeah. And so I don't I don't the feast or famine stuff doesn't bother me as much because I it's not scary. 
Because it's fine. It's fine to not have that much money. You don't really. Yeah, you you know how to live poor. I disagree. Um, I disagree. All I think about is being more rich than I am. You know, that's <laughs> really it. It dominates. It dominates my mind. But I'm also not willing to do bad stuff to get there. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I say this all the time. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm 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 like these these people that are like people are so mad about this Bezos going to space shit. And I'm like, guys, what do you what do you think these or like when they find out that like you know the the CEO of their favorite corporation is a Trump supporter? It's like, of course they are. Yeah, guys. you don't get that rich by being good. Right, you have to be bad. Right, like you have to step on necks to get to the top. And like, I'm just not willing. I'm just not a killer like that. I'm just not. Well, you you step on some necks, but not and you know not enough to get on a Bezos level. But we all have, we all we all step on a little bit of necks sometimes. Uh, yeah, I'm sure I've done some neck stepping at some point. There's a level of that though where I think you have to decide like okay, like am I? It, it's like it's like being a drug addict. You mm-hmm. you kind of know when you're like okay, it's I'm going to the dark side now. <laughs> I'm in the dark side, and I'm aware that I'm in the dark side, and I made the decisions to get to the dark side. It's very similar. Like you know when you're about to cross, and you can either stop yourself or you can continue it's true that that's yeah. what i mean as a, that's what as I mean. a former drug addict i can say there's a rubicon that you cross you know and usually it yeah, usually involves just stealing know. from your parents that's usually the one where you're like oh <laughs> yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> slow down slow down slow down this there's worse things in the world no do. that's the start that's the start i'm saying that's the start of the bad stuff yeah yeah, that that always that reminds me that the um, that scene in Sideways where he visits his mom. Oh God, yeah. And then steals from her purse, and while he says, "I'm going to go use the bathroom," that one heartbreaking. That one really hit close to home. It's. I think it's not even from the. He goes into her bedroom and steals like from a sock or something in her in her. Yeah, drawer. he's like, "I'm going to go up and take a squirt real quick," and then <laughs> uh, goes up into her bedroom, pulls the knot of savings out from her sock drawer, and peels off a couple hundred so he can, you know. Take- all, all to support his natty habit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do think that there, I, I mean, there's a lot of similarities here. You know, there really are. There are a lot of similarities here. But I, um, luckily, I never stole from my parents. Um, I'm, I'm shocked to say that. Well, you know, you picked up your drug habit later in life when you had a little do re me coming in i had a little scratch to blow myself but it'd be a little cooler for my memoir if i did you know what what were you uh what were you into chris um a little thing called oxycontin you may have heard of it it's sweeping the nation well not just that that was just the tipping point yeah that i mean i was just you know i mean jesse and i I, we've met before of course and hung out a little bit but i mean we ran in very in similar circles at certain times in our lives yeah um so, you know, there's some commonality there. But from what I know about you, Jesse, you were you were doing the real stuff. Well, Oxycontin's pretty fucking real. But uh, yeah, I was a heroin addict. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm saying, though, I think that when I look back, I'm I, part of me is like, I wish I would have done heroin. I could have saved a lot of money. <laughs> like, I don't know why. Like, it's just but it's fully it's fully like a stigma thing. Or or even for me, like, I wouldn't know. I, I didn't necessarily know where to get that. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? I, like, got, I don't yeah. even know. Well, Where to start? I'm gonna say it wasn't it wasn't always easy to get it. Um, mm-hmm. Really? But yeah, ox- well, I remember I had this the the weirdest dealer I had made me come all the way up to Harlem, and I had to get on a payphone and pretend I was talking on it, and put the money in the coin slot, and then she would be on the payphone next to me pretending she was talking, and I I'd have to go, Whoa. hey, I'd have to go, hey, this phone isn't working. Is your phone working? And then we'd switch phones, and my shit would be in that coin slot, and her money would be in the other coin slot. We did this charade every other day. That's Ooh. that's actually like so extreme. 
That that seems so un, un, unnecessary. But I, but I could. But the thing is, I was beholden to her. You know, I, she was giving me what I needed, so I couldn't say, "Hey, <laughs> this is really stupid." <laughs> it, it wasn't your place to suggest maybe a new uh, drug delivery method. Maybe I just hand you money and you hand me drugs because mm-hmm. no one's going to bother. No one notices. In so you York. sent her a keynote of some new options, and she didn't even open the document. Is what you're saying? I, uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. She uh, came back unopened. <laughs> <laughs> but what era this is is this like 90s or is this early 2000s this was 2001 2002 so right before you started working at vice yeah yeah i uh, yeah i saw that you so we've talked about this a lot on this podcast but index is my favorite magazine of all time oh wow like cool. i have collected all the issues like i really i really it was a very pivotal thing for me to discover when i was like in high school right um i didn't realize you worked there. i did yeah was that your first job? It was. So yeah, I was every summer in college. I was um, a process server, like I served subpoenas. You've been served, bitch. I've said that so many times I can't count. <laughs> bro, bro, don't you weigh? Don't you weigh like one thirty? <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe when I, maybe when I was a junkie, I did. But nobody really assault. Nobody really assaults uh, process servers. They don't really care that much. I mean, it's better to be intimidating, though, right? I think, or not even. I think it sometimes matter. it's better to be like, if I hit this guy, he's going to turn to dust. Like they don't want to like go to jail for mm. murdering. Although I got to mm. say, this is I did actually have, and this happened in Point Break too. I had a German mm-hmm. Shepherd thrown at me once. <laughs> <laughs> That was scary, but no. So I saved. I saved money um, doing that for the first for, for the you know the first three years of college, and then the fourth year I applied to be an intern at Index because I found it um, like at a Borders in my hometown in Jersey. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I got the internship, and then I don't know. It just worked out. By the end of the summer, they asked me to to come on as an editor. So were you writing and editing, or mostly editing? I was mostly editing. I, that was kind of where I got. That was where I learned how to edit. And I got to say, I mean, if you know Index, you, I guess you know who Bob Nickus is, right? Yeah, yeah. But but tell the people. But Bob was the king of Index. Bob was the founding editor. Um, he's also a really great art critic and curator, um, still working now. And he he taught me how to edit, like definitely how to edit interviews and um, and and text. So yeah, I got into editing, and that's where I started to learn how to like you know find writers that I liked and ask them to write for me or find people who weren't yet writing and ask them to write. That's kind of one of my favorite things to do is to turn someone who's not a writer into a writer. Let me change your life. Yeah, let me make you just look way cooler mm-hmm. than you are right now. Mm-hmm. Let me teach you how to make $300 a month. Yeah. Do you want $20 for a blog post? I can show you how. <laughs> okay, so what do you do you remember maybe like the most, you know, influential or like the lesson that he taught you about how to edit that stuck with you over the years? Yeah, um I think it was to let the things that seemed like casual and conversational stay. That's actually really great. That that is great advice. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you have a lot of opinions on this, but I mean, I think that like those interviews were so like that era in general in, in publishing, I think the interviews were like so loose and fun and seemed a little bit more friendly. Yeah. Um, I think now everybody is such on such high alert all the time. Um, and you know, it's celebrities interviewing celebrities and not in like an interview magazine kind of way in like a Vogue way. Right. Um, it's just, it's just doesn't. I mean, it exists in some places. Like apart, apartamento is probably the best version of that. Yeah, like yeah, the, I agree. The, they'll kind of, they'll kind of like let it rock for a while. Um, 
But I think, I mean, do you think that we'll see, do you think that it's possible that we could return to that because maybe the public will start to crave something a little more casual, a little more like revealing? I don't know. I'm not sure. Cause I think also to have an interview like that work, it needs to be longer than most things are now too, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think yeah, it's also no, an right. attention you're right, span you're right, thing. You're right. But the other thing he taught me that I want to mention, which is because I took it into Vice and made it a big part of my time there, is to let really smart stuff live next to really dumb diction, kind of. Mm-hmm, so, like, mm-hmm. to have, like, you're talking about Foucault, but you're, like, being like, oh, Foucault, like, totally wow, man. Like, that kind of shit, you know? <laughs> which has kind of kind of become a cliche now, which is why I kind of do it that way. But to me, it was a revelation, you know, when, when I first started. And I think Bob was one of the first ones to do it. He took things like high-minded like theory mags like october or something and meshed them with like really chatty fanzines that he was a fan of at the time and Mm -hmm. and i don't know i hadn't seen it before that except in some fanzines yeah that's kind of a thing that we at least attempt to do on this podcast we're obviously not as high-minded and academic as you know the stuff that you're doing but do you think that you know, now that you've been doing this longer and you know you've you've gotten older and wiser through the years you're still kind of packaging <clears throat> the less academic stuff along or are you becoming more of just a true intelligent academic with uh, the way that you talk to people? I think that, well, first of all, you guys do pull it off, I think. Um, Thank you. Secondly, I don't, I, I don't regard myself as an intelligent academic. I think that, yeah, I, I'm always going to be, I am always going to sound like a valley girl who just read like power <laughs> and knowledge. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's just, that's just who I am. So, so you by default, without even trying, you package the high-minded stuff alongside, you know, something a little less high-minded. I think so, yeah. And I'm not the only one. I mean, when I was when I started at Vice, there were other people that I kind of brought in, like Leslie Arfin or Amy Kellner, who were also very natural with that voice. You know, yeah. Shout um, out to Leslie yeah, for sure. Shout out Leslie. I mean that that era. I mean, I just honestly think Vice has become such this weird behemoth, and it's like it's like obviously unreadable now. That early 2000s era, it was absolutely mind-blowing shit. Like, I just remember, I mean, I distributed the magazine in Atlanta. Like, it would get sent to me. Yeah, I remember that. And I would put it in my car and and drop it off. And the way people were waiting for it, like, it was... It, it was a true thing. It's so fun. And this is in Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah. You know what I mean? This isn't New York. This isn't LA. It's literally people being like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Mm-hmm. And it being gone the same day that it came That's in. That's amazing. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like, and honestly, I take away from that a little bit. I think that our approach to this show a little bit is the, I think that that magazine being good and that magazine being free made people really love it and crave it in this way that I think. It, I, I, we approach this similarly yeah. where like I'm not going to put this behind a Patreon because I want people to experience it. Yeah. Like I want the most people possible to enjoy enjoy this and I'll figure out another way. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll do some <laughs> triple five soul ads. You know what I mean? To pay for this <laughs> podcast. It's fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. If you're lucky, maybe I'll get some, some, di- some diesel back covers or some American apparel back covers. <laughs> exactly. We'll get a diesel. We'll get a diesel back cover. We'll get a, we'll get a Fred Perry spread. It's nothing. But I think that the, I just, I think that that, method of like hey if we do if we give this away for free it's going to have a a, a it's going to reach a wider audience. i agree it's going to yeah, be more popular. i agree but you know what actually i want to ask you guys some advice right here in front of all your listeners because mm-hmm. i don't my podcast is free too but i'm starting a, everybody you have to have a Substack now right that's like you kind of like required i think to start a Substack. i mean i think someone like you actually should but yeah re- re- required just in general or required if you have a podcast required if you're 
Just in this world, in this world, know, in yeah. If yeah, you're a, yeah, if yeah. you're a waiter, if you're a Lyft driver, like whatever. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, so I have one coming, right? And actually, the first, the first, it's going to be reviews, just long essay reviews of different things every every installment. And the first one is actually by Bob Nickus, um, and it's great. Oh, so it's go- it's going to be guests and, and you, like a mix, mostly guests, I hope. But that's the thing. The question that I have for you guys is this: I'm paying my writers because I can. I never don't pay writers, so now. There's no really other. There's no other way than a subscription model to get the money to pay the writers, but I still feel kind of tacky about it. What you're doing though is actually giving something specialized that people want. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I think that like this this style of like I just shit out whatever and and you pay for it is is going to come to an end. I think people are going to get exhausted by it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I pay for you know my favorite my favorite subscription uh, airmail. Um, that, you know, that to me, that's, that's $50 a year. I'd pay a hundred. Cause like, I like to click on it. Like the same thing, you know, it's yeah. like if Blackbird spy plane, like he's created something that people are happy to pay for and click and read because it's specialized and it has names that they recognize. Yeah. And it's, it's more interesting than just kind of like drivel for drivel's sake. Right. Right. Um, right. Also, I mean, you're, you're not, you're not trying to charge $200. It's going to be what? Five bucks, five bucks for like for a month, which is going to be like two really long essays. So I think it's not bad. Mm. I, I think uh, all of that is completely true. But another thing that I always consider with like the will it, Will it work? Will it work on Patreon or, or subscription model is like, are you the type of person who people want to support? Or are you the type of person that people are yeah. just like, Ugh. like nobody wants to support Chris Black, you know? Sad, but true. yeah, I'm, I was going to say, I'm, I, that means that means I'm fucked, too, I think. And I don't think so. I, don't, I mean, because, you know, <laughs> you know, you're 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 creating an environment that is making sure that like cool, interesting, unique riders are getting paid money to do good work that they want to do in like a free environment and that's a that's the type of thing that people are going to want to get behind and support versus us being like do you think uh you know creatine is fucking retarded or like have you tried smoothies see no i i uh, that is content that i would pay for (laughs) the grass is the grass is always greener well if if the world was filled with jesse's then uh you know we wouldn't be talking to you right now we'd be polishing our rolls royces i i think that makes sense i mean i think that like i would love to because jason and i during the when we were we were talking about you um, we both realized that we had issue one of apology. Oh, cool! <laughs> like we both, we yeah, we, we both, both had, had independently original. purchased it on our own. You know, what is that? Almost ten years ago now, huh? Yeah, twenty thirteen. But what about issues two, three, four, and five? Not so much. Oh, okay. <laughs> I might have two, but I did. I was checking the website. I'm going to order the ones I don't have. No, because yeah, I, like, I, I, I'm a completist. I'll tell you what, man. I'm going to comp you. Wow, my man. Well, I figure I feel like you might be in a situation where you want to clear out some space in the garage. We've all been there. Um, <laughs> you know, I I, I understand. I kind of, but yeah. I think that the I think the thing is is that 2013 was a weird time to do that. Whereas I think 2021, you would have a, a much bigger opportunity for that to succeed in a real way. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, why why do you think that is? Because that wouldn't be my initial thought. I think a younger generation that you need to capture to succeed or something like that 
is interested in print media in a way that that you were doing. Yeah, right. Not in the way that like we were raised, like not in a New York Magazine, New Yorker, Sports Illustrated, whatever you want to say, like weekly issue way, yeah. but in a more considered like quarterly format. Yeah. I think it's like I think about like there's a magazine called The Skirt Chronicles that I I quite like that these I do. three I, uh, yeah, French, I like it. I like it too. French yeah. women do. And and my or my friend in in Greece that, that does Kennedy and those magazines are are things that come out and there's a they they do a, a launch party wherever they are and it's a thing and they build a world around it. There's a little bit of merch. There's events, etc. Right. That to me is what apology is. You you know what I mean? You did that first. Really is is, is what I'm Thanks, saying, man. But the problem is that I I'm the worst businessman ever. That's not uncommon, but like there are people that could help you do that. It's not rocket science. Yeah, like it's, it's, yeah. It's, you just got to get yourself a Chris Black. That's all. I need me a Chris Black, man. I do think that the time is ripe. Even like going into Karma, yeah, which is near my apartment in New York, and you know they had they had a bunch of issues of Index, and like multiple people had texted me to tell me they were there because they knew I was looking for a few to complete oh, my collection. Nice, nice. And some of these people are. Some of these people are 25 years old, though, is what I'm saying. I think and they I totally, know what that yeah, is, yeah, and, they, yeah. and they care about it. I think you're right. I get what you're saying. The thing is, yeah, I, I, I'm such a lackadaisical business person that, like, I did issues one, two, three, and four in pretty rapid succession, and then I took a two-year break and did issue mm. five. So, like, I've kind of told myself, um, in the, like, from like this July to next July, if I can't make apology something that's actually viable. Uh, I'm going to kind of let it go. Yeah, I mean, that's reasonable, but you have a full-time job, right? No. Oh, you don't? Then you have no excuse. Bro. No. Come on, let's go. Yeah, I, I know. I don't. I, now I don't, definitely. I did have a full-time job when I took the two-year break, but yeah, no, not now. Not now. So other than apology, what are you doing then? Um, I, I write freelance journalism. Um, I, I was writing for the LA Times a lot right before the pandemic where I did some fun stuff for the food section. Oh. The one that I liked the most was I... Um, I went fly fishing in the L.A. River for carp. That was where Jerry Jerry Sue took photos. Yeah, right? Jerry t- Jerry took the photos, and then Chris from Night Market cooked the carp up into larb, and we ate and we ate it. I read that. I ha- and I have fly fished in the L.A. River since then. Excellent. You have a I good didn't time. Didn't even realize I was you. Yeah, I mean, I've I've done it a bunch of times now. Um, I go with uh, my friend our, fr- our friend Ariel from Mister Green and my brother and a few other people, and we'll just go. Nice post up i know kyle from brain dead goes out there all the time damn i didn't know it was a whole posse thing now that's awesome Yeah, it's like a whole posse thing i should get back out there i was going with lauren malik i don't know if you know her former former pro skater now excellent carpenter um no 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 damn and then and then also my mentor is this dude lino jubilato who you gotta meet if you haven't out there he will guide you to the best spots and he's the master he was the guy that they did the the vice munchies thing on they did I th- I th- I th- maybe he's like a he's like a maybe he's like a Filipino guy who has been yeah. fly fishing there for like his whole life. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yeah. They like Vice did a video on him and they showed him oh, catching a carp and then like making some <laughs> some like nasty ass like bootleg grill situation on like an old shopping cart and so like basically frying, frying it up. The company, your used, story. The, com- the company I used to work for plagiarized me. Hundred percent. Yeah. Sick. Sick. Yeah, that's that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> no, it's I mean, fun. It's not a surprise. It's, to it's me. totally fun. Um, so do you yeah. do you still contribute to the L.A. Times most often? Is that where you're doing most of the stuff? Um, no, lately I have been doing stuff. I, actually, I'm, I've been writing catalogs for this gallery that kind of like Uniqlo owns in New York. This gallery that only shows so Japanese Americans. Yeah, that's been fun. So I've edited and write these catalogs, and then 
they produced them really beautifully. So it's kind of like just portfolio wise, it's pretty pretty mm-hmm. killer. So yeah, I do like I do one of those almost every month now. Um, okay, so you're keeping yourself pretty busy. Yeah, yeah, Outs- yeah. So then, why are we only podcasting once per month, my friend? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I got I I I got lazy. I got lazy. It's just like apology. Like all of a sudden, I'll be on. A, I'll be riding a high, and I'll be like, nah, but I want to go read these books and like lay by the river for two years. You know. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it, I get it. Uh, what about, are you living alone or do you live with a life partner? I live with a life partner. I live with my girlfriend um, here in Herman, yeah. Okay, how um, how much does she light a fire under your ass? She lights it, I think, the appropriate amount. She's, my girlfriend is a really, really motivated, productive person. She's in, like, uh, in, in TV, and mm-hmm. she just grinds harder than, like, anybody I've seen in person. So even if she doesn't tell me to get off my ass, like watching her do what she does gets me off my ass. I know what you mean. People, because I'm the same way as you, and I think I I was able to really up my production level, my productivity in general by having a partner that was like really killing it and working hard and being like, I got to, I look really bad compared to you right now, so... Yeah, and you got to sh- you got to show them up, you know. Yeah, we always have to do better than these goddamn women. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but the pod is coming back, man. I actually I don't know if it's like it feels like it's dangerous to say that I booked a guest before it happens, but I I booked Kim Gordon this morning. Damn, must be nice. So he's saying quality, not quantity. Yeah, yeah. There you yeah, go. Yeah, that's what he's saying. He's he's shitting on he's shitting on our little podcast. He's like, I saw your little Phoebe Bridgers thing. Let me bring in her mom. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> I feel like you guys could get her, man. I don't think it would be a problem. I would love to get Kim. You know, musicians are. It's nice because they have shit to promote a lot. Of music the time. is life. Music is music life. is the breath um, of life. So yeah. you know, <laughs> they're around. They're around and available to talk about themselves, mm-hmm. uh, which is yeah. you know always a plus. But are you? Are you interested in her in her entire breadth of work? Or are you looking into the art side of things for this for this show? I like it all, you know. Um, I, I don't, but I, I don't really. Since my my podcast is kind of focused on a specific thing, you know, books. I mm-hmm. anything else is kind of tangential. But something I like about her is that she would take, um, she'd steal lines from books and put them in lyrics, and you wouldn't you would only know if you had read the book. Easter egg, Easter egg, exactly. There were Easter eggs on like Daydream Nation, and it's it's kind of. Um, Can I be honest with you? You know, watch it. Chris. I love careful. No, no, I love Sonic Youth as like a as like a thing, and I think they're. I, I just the music. I've never really been able to get into it. Like I've really never, and I like so much stuff. That's like my zone. Interesting. Jason can tell you that is well, like my I, well, shit. Well, knowing you, Chris, it, I think their music is just a little too. I don't know, atonal, snotty, unorganized. You know, lacking. Uh, you know, some type of succinct structure for you. And that's what most people really love about them, on top of being, you know, musical yeah. geniuses. Yeah. But if you, when I listen, I love Sonic Youth. When I listen to them, I'm like, these lyrics are dog shit, but I love it. <laughs> and then sometimes, <laughs> and then sometimes the lyrics will be like an amazing, you know, line from a book that's an Easter egg, and it, and it brings you back around. But you're, you know, sometimes it's just some throwaway shit, but you don't care. Because it just rocks. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It just sounds cool. I do love rocking. I, maybe I can. I mean, you know, I, there's a few songs here and there, but it's like, you know, I can listen to Pavement all day long. Pavement um, is less chaotic. Yeah, Pavement might put some chaos. They put a little bit of chaos in there, but it's like within like a definitely like a you know three to four minute song structure. You had mm-hmm. you had my you yeah. had our boy Malcolmus on, didn't you? 
Malk. I had Malk on, yeah. I don't call him that, by the way. I've never called him Malk before, and I'll probably get in trouble for doing that, but yeah. I did. You know, he's a big tennis player, which is a subject we talk about a lot on this podcast. Yeah. We talked about tennis a little bit. I think he's pretty good from from what I've heard. I think he's a real I think he's a real player. Yeah, I think so too. I, I've never played him and I can only play about two minutes of tennis before I barf from cardio. But <laughs> uh I've heard from people who know him that yeah, he's 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 a good athlete in general. What's your well what's what's your workout routine now, Chief? If you if you used to do if you used to do powerlifting and you can't do cardio, what are we doing? You got a Peloton? <laughs> I have two Pelotons. <laughs> you pit them against each other it's smart yeah I, I, I jump back and forth it's kind of like it's kind of like um peloton plus whatever that french thing where you jump around on buildings is parkour right parkour peloton that's what i Pelcore. Pelcore. what do i do you really want to know this yes this is this is a big oh, yeah. well i mean you just said i barf after playing tennis for two minutes so you've got my attention <laughs> i um I just do like a basic push pull legs uh split, you know, with mostly dumbbells and kettlebells in my in my carport. My man. Yeah. My man. Oh, you set up a little you, so you set up a little gym in the cribbo. I have a yeah, I had a gym in my garage in Mount Washington, but here I have a carport, so mm-hmm. actually the last two days I've been trying to build this shed to put the shit in so no one steals it and it's been um Pretty frustrating trying to get this thing built. I feel like you. I feel like you've experienced a lot of crime in your life, Jesse. I feel like people. I feel like, I feel like people are coming to take what you have. You know Maybe what I mean? on you both know? sides of the coin too. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's funny. My girlfriend says the same thing. I mean, I kind of. Ha- I guess I have. I mean, I. I my family. I have criminals in my family. My dad was a burglar. <laughs> you know, and um, I. What? My dad was a. Yeah, he was a criminal and a heroin addict and all that fun stuff, as well as a really great guy. So you've got can't cheat a cheater mentality. Right. I just kind of, I call it the preemptive strike mentality. That's wild. That's a whole podcast unto itself, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. One that a lot of people are going to care about. You'd be surprised. I, you're being sarcastic, but you know, the story of a heroin addicted burglar is, you know, that's what they make movies about. That's It's true. It's funny. A lot of people have tried to get me to write about him and, um, mm-hmm. I never was able to because it just feels like sort of self-exploitative. But I I kind of found a way over the last year. So I'm, I've been working on a novel where he's the main character, but I changed it enough so that it doesn't feel like I'm just stealing from my life, you know? Yeah. Is he is he still alive? No, he died in 2019 because of his, uh, his, his addiction. I'm sorry. What was your relationship at that point? Was it good? The last time I saw him in person was 93. I visited him on jail, in jail and I was on LSD. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. So was he so you guys were you guys were estranged or did you speak and you just didn't see him physically because he was actually in jail? He was in jail a lot, but then also he moved after he got out from that bid sentence, whatever you want to call it. He moved down to bid. He bid. Bid's a cool way to say it, right? That's right. Very cool. After he got out of that bid, he moved down to live with my grandparents um, in Arkansas. So I didn't see him much after that. Or at all. I didn't see him at all after that. Not to make an insensitive joke, but visiting your dad in jail on acid sounds about the most vice magazine thing you could ever do <laughs> i know i should have done a whole should have done a whole issue about it that's probably why they hired me i told i told them that story that would have that would have gone faster than the eric lavois themed issue oh, so God. something to think about you know you know next next time i mean i just pulled that issue out recently it's really really good it's so sick i mean it's really really a different time but i mean that is that is i mean look i think all we have as people is our point of view 
You know what I mean? That's really all we we have. And I think yours in, in this case and what you've told us is particularly interesting and original. So I don't think I don't look at something like that as as uh, exploiting. You know, I, I think it's more. I mean, it's yours. What do you? Yeah, you know, it's true. Yeah, thanks. I think it's more you like know, the, it's like if it's. I think it's. I I appreciate that, man. I think it's like also though my anticipation of the audience and the blood in the water of like some other guys like kind of pain, but I'm probably overthink. It's probably just a really complex form of procrastination, you know? Well, yeah, that I can't help you with (laughs) that. that I think a lot of us, but are you a good writer? Like, are you disciplined or is it something that you really have to like, do you like putz around all day and then sit down at 8 PM with a pack of parliament lights and get to it? You nail. How did you know that I used to smoke parlor? That was my that was my brand. Is that just like the vice the vice brand? No, I mean we all did. I right, mean, that's right, not, right. I think that's. I think any any. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I love that you think that's exclusive, but you know we all <laughs> we've all been there. You've heard of parliaments too. If you were anyone in two thousand and two, you were smoking parliaments, man. That's just what yeah, it was. You're right. Um, no, I'm pretty disciplined. I get I get a little hung up on the research phase and just turn that into procrastination. But I have like a two hours a day uh writing habit and if i don't get the two hours in then i feel really bad about myself so i tend to do it what how do you hurt yourself if you don't get the two hours you ever hear of a hair shirt i have not it's a biblical thing it's like a shirt that's inside out of like a really harsh like coarse horse hair and you Mm -hmm. put that on and you kind of (laughs) walk walk around in the heat you're paraded around the town square Right, you're flagellated. Got it. That, that's actually that's a great REM song for any of those. You're, uh, any of those. If we got any REM, if we got any REM fans out there, which I'm sure it's we like do. a medium REM. It's not like a deep REM cut. It's a medium cut because of the era it comes from. But yeah, you're right. Or, oh, it sounds like Jesse might be an REM head. Not to get us off track, but that that you know, <laughs> is this like a point of contention with you guys? Is like REM like no? Jason and I went on we we with our uh, girlfriends. We went on like a road trip, and I was playing REM, and and everybody. He was just like, what is wrong with oh, you? Oh man. You know, like why why are we listening to green? I'm like, green is a fucking classic, guys. Green is about as good as music gets. It's great. It's great. Jesse knows. And and you know, I think I and I was, you know, not to I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on fables of the reconstruction. I think that's underappreciated. We can play with that if you want to, yeah. No, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, why would why would these two hot chicks who were not alive when this album came out not into it? It's just weird. I don't get it. Why would they want to be trapped in a car hearing that? Why would they not, not want call to be? yourself a hot chick, Jason? I'm not talking not about myself. I'm talking chick. about our hot life partners, bitch. <laughs> no, but I, I they're think sexy that, that, and they're cool, and that's why they don't listen to REM. Are, Michael Stipe's really, really, really sexy, especially now. He's no Moby. I came to REM a little later in life. It's embarrassing being from Atlanta, um, but now it's something that I listen to. Oh, we we forgot to even. Jesus, what have you watched the Woodstock '99 documentary on HBO? We got we got a lot to talk about. No, I have to do it, but because I went to do it on Hulu, it's on Hulu, isn't it? HBO. Oh shit! Then I can watch it because there's I think there's one on Hulu that I thought was the one, but it was like you need the Showtime add-on, and I was like, fuck that. No, no, no. But I have HBO. Yeah, no, I'm gonna watch that. I mean, people obviously like the show me your tits, like misogyny part of it is insane, um, and like kind of. I w- I wasn't going. I mean, I was into punk and hardcore, so I wasn't going to a lot of like big concerts during that era. Yeah, um, yeah. But I do remember that being a thing. But I totally blocked that out of my mind or didn't remember it until I saw this. Yeah, I, that era for me also. Like, I was very much. I was a I was a hardcore and punk guy. I was a rap guy, and I was a like Brit pop guy. 
Same, bro. Let's go, baby. My man. My man. The only genre that matters. Uh, Truly. But I Three Six it. Mafia, Pulp. <laughs> Got to go from from Project Pat and move over to a little early blur. The biggest takeaway for me, and I tweeted about this today, is that like because they, they have all these people, and this is not a spoiler, but there's there's all these people they interview that went to it. And it's either like a full-on freak rockabilly comic book store cat lady <laughs> or like a middle management IT, I live in Connecticut. Right. Those are the only two people that came out of it. Right. Like those are the only two people, types that graduated from their from their attendance. But the other interesting part, I think, is DMX being a part of that because his music was basically just like aggressive. Yeah. In the same way. Yeah, very angry. That, yeah. that Limp Bizkit and Corn and Corn was. And there's this whole thing about basically a you know two hundred thousand white people screaming the n word back at him, yeah, and that not being a problem for any mm-hmm. anyone, which that would definitely not happen today. No, that's a little complex. Yeah, yeah. I gotta say though, I was I was never like <laughs> yeah. I can't I could never complex. do like like mosh rap. Like I think Onyx was the first mosh rap, maybe. Yeah, probably. Jason, have I told you the story about my dinner with 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 Onyx? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> the sequel to my dinner with Andre. <laughs> <laughs> what's his what's his what's his name what's sticky fingers mm-hmm. um i was this is i mean this is obviously a long time ago it was it was uh i was in la on some cartel business and i was staying at the fame standard hollywood r.i.p mm-hmm. and um i was alone poolside eating and there were no tables and sticky fingers and one of his buddies were like yo can we just sit with you mm-hmm. so i was i said yes and i had a nice dinner with sticky fingers and he paid my tab wow <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that, Chris. That's crazy. Yeah, super, super friendly. We talked about the music biz. Nice guy, like respectful, really like made sure I didn't pay. It was great. It was a good experience. Overall, never saw him again. I don't think he was staying at the at the property. I Je- Jesse, I sympathize on on the mosh rap. That is you not, feel that too, right? Uh, Damn, we gotta get sticky on the pod now. He's around for sure. He ain't doing shit. I can hit him up, actually. I, I know him. I can hit him up if you guys want me to. Yeah, fuck it. How do you know Sticky? I don't know Sticky. I'm sorry. 1,000% <laughs> believable if that makes you feel any better about nice. yourself. I got to say, there is one mosh, like, like mosh-adjacent rap group that I like, which is MOP. Sure, sure, sure. No, we don't like that Dusty. I, we actually, I'm really, really anti-Dusty-ass hip-hop, and we have a problem with that on this podcast. Is that too, too Max Fish? Like, too I Max Fish hear- for you? <laughs> I don't want to hear about I don't want to hear about like Nas or fucking MOP like all all of it just it, I'm, I think maybe it's partly because I'm from Atlanta and we've done better than that okay wow I wouldn't say you've Ooh. done better <laughs> but I would say I would say that you've Bro. I would say wait I gotta I'm, I'm gonna come back around to agreeing with you sort of I would say that you've done you've done better <laughs> in a sustained sense but like First record, like well, yeah. there are single records by those guys that are like you know. Are you wearing Are you wearing your Capone and Noriega Supreme T-shirt right now? You can be honest. I'm wearing my Smith Smith and Wesson T-shirt right now, actually. <laughs> oh, there we go. Perfect. Thank God. I just I don't know what it is about that. I just have no interest in that, and I just feel like that stuff. It just has never done anything for me. Like anything else, if you don't listen to it at the right time in your life, it's like meaningless. Yeah, it's also very northeast. It could be related to the fact that you don't like Philadelphia. Well, I mean, look, what what has Philadelphia really given us besides bike messengers and fatty sandwiches? <laughs> the dead, the dead milk, the dead milkman, which is pretty good. Well, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, all right, I'll take that. Yeah. Okay, what else we got besides uh, Beanie Siegel? Uh, <laughs> Diplos Me- from Meek Mill. No, he's not. He's not from Philly. Well, he he. He cut his teeth in Philly, I should say. Yeah, he did. He claims Philly a lot, but he's a Florida man. Florida man. 
<laughs> oh, I didn't even mean that. Damn. <laughs> I know. I might be. See- Hopefully, this weekend I'll be building with Diplo in Las Vegas. All right, I'll be there. Are you? Have you already? Te- have you already texted him for the list, or is this like a? Not yet. Uh, I have to. I'm. I don't know if I have to go directly to him. I might go to one of his cronies because you know I don't want to bog his inbox with a guest list request. Yeah, it's usually. But but Jesse, what's your relationship with electronic dance music? It's pretty big, man. Actually, okay. yeah, I was. Uh, I was. Um, uh, it's a big relationship. It's a big relationship. It's a big, <laughs> massive. It's yeah. It's big up. It's um. Yeah, man. I was. Well, I was a raver in the '90s for a good a good amount of. Actually, the time that I went to see Damn, when this I, motherfucker, I did it all, man. Okay, what? What? Okay, you're. It's in the '90s. You are a raver going to a rave. What room are you hanging out in the most? Where are you spending most of your time? I'm going into the room that they in Philly they called it breakbeat, but I think it was just kind of like early jungle kind of music. Okay, I'm going to that room. Yeah, yeah. So it's the room where all the guys, all, like mostly guys, are like on their candy flipping, they're screaming, they're jumping around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll and then I'll move to the chill out room where the ambient where the ambient stuff is and the and, and the smart and the smart and the smart drinks. Can you can you t- can you tell our can you tell our younger listeners what candy flipping is because I bet they don't know. I bet they don't. <laughs> I'll say lo- I also love your pronunciation of ambient. Ambient. Very- that's the that's the British. Pron- that's the that's darling. The- I only listen to ambient in this home. Only ambient. <laughs> Could you show me where the ambient room is? Excuse me. Where's the chill out area? <laughs> Um, <laughs> if kids don't know what candy flipping is, that's a problem. Candy flipping is doing um, E and or Molly and acid at the same time. That's right. There we go. I, I just don't think people know they've moved on. They've moved on to Ket, bro. Oh, and they don't. You know, they're not doing Coke anymore. The fact that Coke is back but also not back is really concerning. To it's me. weird that Coke exists still to me. <laughs> and I know that's y'all, narcissistic. Y'all are still on this thing. Yeah, y'all still doing that? Because like I, I mean, because I stopped it, but. It's also it just feels it feels a very retrograde to me. Yeah, it doesn't feel like it fits in with the times. I disagree. I think it's a timeless. I think it's the best drug out. Like if if there was a drug that I w- actually wanted to do mm-hmm. or or thought I could do and sustain, it would be that. I think it's the best drug for a half hour. <laughs> well, it is. But and then it wrong. turns into the worst drug. Yeah, then it's just maintenance for the for eight hours or eight hours of figuring out how you're going to get on that half hour to happen again. Right, right. Just forget blowing off all the conversations, all the fun of the night, and just like going on a mission to find more. Yeah, not even talking about forming all of the bands no. that you have formed with strangers. Could you imagine a room full of the people that you only like met on Coke at five a.m. in Williamsburg? <laughs> like you see them all sober together. Oh, that's that's kind of what, what watching the Woodstock interviews <laughs> felt felt like it was just like yeah nice. yeah you know, you know when the you, lights turn on and all the all the cockroaches scurry out that's kind of what you that's kind of what you're left with with the coke bros did you guys ever go to cokey's in williamsburg no is this a real place it's a real place yeah cokey's was a coke bar you could buy coke at the bar it was called cokey's you actually you bought it around the corner in a closet really so it was just a bar that everyone understood this is where you go to use cocaine yeah and the 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 awning literally says k-o-k-i-e-s cookies cookies with a k that's how you trick the police that's that's how the cops had no idea (laughs) but they would lock they would they would lock you in you would walk out at like 11 a.m i have a business card from cookies still it's amazing their motto their slogan is dress casual but in good taste 
So cool. Very good advice. I mean, yeah. So Jesse, as we're closing out, you know, we've we've talked a lot about the the, the magazine biz. You know, you've transitioned to podcasting. But what, like, how do you feel about the future of you know print magazines in general? Are we feeling optimistic, pessimistic? I'm feeling optimistic. I think the stuff Chris was saying earlier is really true. I think that. I started Apology in 2013. That felt like a good moment. Then it kind of dipped. But then there was this big proliferation of magazines by younger people, people that are younger than me, like the Skirt Chronicles, like you mentioned, for example. Mm -hmm. And I think that people got smart and realized a magazine doesn't have to have a massive print run and doesn't have to have a really wide purview. You know, so you just print as many as you think you can sell. Uh, And yeah, I don't know. Based on like just my book selling kind of like I play around with book selling a little bit too. And I see like the kind of stuff that like people in their twenties want to buy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a good, I think it's a good deal for magazines right now. I hope you're right. I mean, I'm going to stay on your ass about this. Thank you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, we're I, your I content. It, we're your content sponsor. I need it. I need it. Do it to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, call, give I us a call. We'll the, come um, over I with think- a pack of Parley's hot cup of Duncan and we'll work this thing out. What I want you guys to do is stand over my shoulder and do shoulder presses while I'm working. Like, really, and look at me, really, ang- stare at me really angrily while I'm doing that. That's absolutely no problem. That that I'll do for free. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, yeah, we'll get we'll get ladder ball. fitness to sponsor that as well. We can, we'll make, make a little dough on the back end. Don't worry. It works for me, man. We always make dough on the back end. Um, thank you, Jesse. Really nice to talk to you, man. Um, pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Uh, you guys check out Apology, the podcast. What, what else, Jesse? Apology the podcast, Apology the magazine, Apology the Substack, I guess, at some point soon. It's all at apologymagazine.com. You can find it all there. Perfect. Just so your listeners hear how magnanimous I am, seriously hit me with your addresses and I'll send you you, um, the library of apologies. Let's go. (laughs) Truly magnanimous of you. Thank you. And Chris also. I can't wait. Chris on some like kind of like. Yeah some like uncut secret stuff i have doubles of a few old indexes if you're looking for stuff we can talk my man my man well i've got honestly i bought a lot of it from one person in australia on ebay in like 2009 oh, killer um but i need to go through i need to go through and really look because unfortunately now it's like kind of split up between new york and la so i like yeah. don't have a full I'm even. I, I built a little library in my room, my parents' house. I'm looking at right now, and there's shit here too. I'm just thinking of the carbon footprint of going from uh, from New York, well, to I'm sorry, Australia, I'm and at, then back to Jesse, New York. Oh. <laughs> Jesse will appreciate this. I'm looking at my my framed copy of the New York Times Magazine from February 4th, 1996. The uh, model's life, uh, Jennifer Egan profile of James King, photographed by Nan Golden. That's a grail. Oh, the, head, that's, the head's out there. That's real. That's very real, man. Yeah. In the other room, right, I do have right. my other personal favorite, the the interview uh, Evan Dando cover shot by Bruce Weber, signed by Dando. Yeah. So I'm just really I'm 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 luxuriating here in Atlanta in my, in the in the Black Family Library. Um, I'll stop boasting. You got a nest egg now, no matter what, man. Exactly. Yeah. For the five people that care about what I care about, I could make at least a hundred dollars. So yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> um, all right, Jesse. Thank you. Um, all right, cool. Thanks. All right, later, mate.